you know, before we uh, get into Galatians, that last song um, reminded me of a number of things. Uh, first thing that came to uh, my mind was uh, back in January, because where that song came out of, that I lift my eyes to the hill from where does my help come from. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Uh, I am reminded of my grandmother, and that was, those were her favorite two verses, and I preached her funeral back in January, and that's what she wanted to be preached, and uh, so I was reminded of that, but I was also reminded of this thing that we call life, and uh, sometimes it just absolutely stinks, and uh, things that you and I have to go through. Um, things that we find ourselves up against every single day, and I'm so thankful for a God who's there, and uh, it reminds me that that is where your help comes from, that is where my help comes from. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Galatians chapter 1, Galatians chapter 1. We are going to be uh, looking at a, uh, a few verses out of Galatians chapter 1, and um, as we do that, I want to read for you the uh, first 10 verses, and um, we'll see if we can get some technology. My technology this week has been uh, pretty much on the terrible side. Just letting you know, uh, tried to uh, update a computer with a new operating system, and uh, I guess my computer doesn't like the Sierra Mountain Range. Um, it does absolutely nothing, and so uh, we had to go to a backup. Of course, you lose all the notes and uh, all that good stuff, and uh, so we go for it again. No longer a slave, Galatians chapter 1. I'm going to read the uh, first 10 verses. I want you to uh, follow along as I read. And as I read, I want you to think about the attitude that Paul has to a church. Okay? You are brothers and sisters in Christ. You are brothers and sisters in Christ, and you are hearing this for the first time. I know you've read Galatians like 72 times now, probably not, but I want you to hear it or think about hearing it for the first time. Here's what Paul says. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but 
There are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For I am now seeking, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If, I'm, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I bow before you and uh, Lord, I ask that you would speak this morning. Father, we are men and women, we are boys and girls who are needy. We need you. We need to hear from you this morning. So Lord, as your word has been read, as your word is opened, would you please speak? Would you please meet with us this morning? Open our eyes, let us see. Open our ears, let us hear. Open our minds that we might understand you, that we might understand how much you love us, all the things that you have done for us, so that we might be drawn closer to you. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. One might say that it wasn't immediate, but I would probably disagree. I would disagree that there was a shift in the demeanor, in the words, in the attitude, even to some degree, maybe a, a lot of degree, in the actions of my father when he became a grandfather. Something happened in one Charlie Tillman. It was... Uh, something else, and especially after Nathan got to the age to where he could walk around with his pop, they, they were together, and they're still together. And it changed my dad. You say, why do I tell you that story? Galatians was the first letter that Paul wrote. It was the first book that he wrote to a church. And I don't know if you heard it, but every time I read it, I hear there is an abrupt, there is abrasive, there are words that you're like, are you sure you're a man of God that you're saying this to a church? You're saying this to a body of believers who know the same Christ that you are proclaiming. You're doing that to them. And then you go and you take, let's just say, Philippians. Oh, farther down the road, Paul's now in prison. It's 20 plus years since Galatians was written. Almost 20 years since Galatians was written. And Paul writes to those at Philippi. And he's like, oh, grace and peace. I thank God every time I think about you. 
well, were there problems in Philippi? Yes, there were, there were problems. And he gets to them in chapter 4. He doesn't get to them in chapter 1, verse 6. I mean, he just says, hey, my name's Paul. Y'all know who I am? And boom, right there in the face. Well, you like that bloody nose? That's what happens here in Galatians chapter 1. Paul is right up front. He is extremely forward with them about where they are. But he also wants them to understand whose they are. And from the very beginning, from the very beginning, you and I need to understand, just as those in Galatia needed to understand, that the gospel is spoken. The gospel is spoken, and it is seen even from the very beginning. Look there again at verse number 3. Verse number 3, it states this, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God and our Father. To whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Freedom was given from the beginning. These two verses, verse 3 and 4 especially, um, are full of gospel. Now, the word gospel isn't there. The word good news, those two words are not spoken there. But these two words are full, right? These two verses are full of that word, gospel. You say, how is that? Well, look there in verse 4. The gospel is this, that this one, Jesus, out of verse 3, gave himself for our sins. He gave himself to deliver us from what? From the present evil age. Paul introduces himself in the first couple of words, in the first couple of verses, and right after that, the first words that he speaks of is gospel. I want you to see four aspects of this gospel this morning. Before we even look at the bondage, before we even look at some chains that are found in this passage, I want you to see your freedom and four aspects of it. The first is this, that there is power in this gospel. You see verse number six, he says, I'm astonished. I am flat amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and that you're turning to a different gospel. You say, where's power? It's the word call. I don't know how many times it happens at your house, and I won't even talk about my house. Let's just talk about an average house, okay? Average house, got a mom and a dad, a couple of kids, a couple of dogs, a couple of automobiles, fence in the backyard, house might be red brick, and it might just happen to be 34 Tanner Cove, but it might could be any other house, you know, any, any other house with a fence or not, but with kids at the house, and it's supper time. Kids are in their room doing kid things, and you say, hey, it's supper time, why don't you come to the table? Silence. A couple minutes passed. 
hey, it's supper time. Why don't you come to the table and let's eat? Okay, I'll be there in just a second. Ten minutes. I don't know if you understood what I said, but it is supper time. Okay, I'll be there. Never happens at your house, I know. Maybe it's take out the trash. Maybe it's do your homework. Maybe it's, hey, go clean up your room. Maybe it's, hey, get off this or that. Whatever it is, when you say it, when I say it, there is no power in those words. There's not power in those words. They demonstrate that every single moment of every single day. There are no, there's no power in those words. But catch these words. Let there be light, and there's light. Hey, Lazarus, why don't you come forth? Uh, Lord, he's been dead four days. He stinks. No, he walks out of the grave when Jesus calls his name. Hey, Wind, waves, why don't you be still and why don't you just stop? How many people in Florida? How many people in Haiti? How many people in the Bahamas? How many people in Bermuda? How many of those folks that were in the midst of the storm in the last... Hey, why don't you just stop? And Matthew just came on through. But there is power in the words of God. And God calls... You and he calls me, and that is the gospel. And when he calls you and calls me, there is freedom in that call. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you. But not only do we see power, we see drama. You're like, I've never put an equal sign between gospel and drama before in my life. But that's exactly what is happening. There is a story that is being told. There is a narrative, there is a story that is unfolding in this gospel, in this call. Whether it's middle school girls, around the water cooler at work, on the couch watching your favorite TV show. Everybody is upset that Downton Abbey is gone. Maybe you've picked up a new show. A couple of good dramas that are out there today. Lone Survivor or This Is Us. Or maybe you're glued into some Netflix or some Amazon Prime videos. But we are all drawn to drama. And one of the reasons that you're drawn to drama is because you're acquainted with it. Because you live it out every single day. So whether it's off of a screen, whether it's friends going crazy all around you, a job that's got some question marks around it, or you find yourself in a setting where someone sits across from you and you hear the words of, an illness, a disease that affects you for the rest of your life, life is full of drama. And the gospel is the same. Writing on this passage in a commentary, Eugene Peterson stated this about the gospel. 
He says everybody is in bondage. Everything is in slavery. Jesus Christ has come and He has rescued us. When you become a Christian, when you understand the gospel, first of all, you understand you are a slave and everybody else is as well. Most of the other people are sort of, they don't see it. They think they're making, uh, you're making a big deal about it, but as a Christian... You understand there is this drama. He goes on and he says, this, he says, the freedom that is possible is not natural. The freedom that is found in these words, in God calling you and calling me to himself that in this word, the gospel, the freedom that is there, it's not natural. It does not show itself as a product of a smoothly developing process, the natural unfolding of bud to blossom. No, freedom is, we are told here in Galatians, not natural at all. It's a victorious prize in a pitched battle. And Paul needed the folks at Galatia to see the stark contrast. They were living as if, all right, it will eventually happen. They were living as if, you know, it really doesn't matter what I do on this Thursday. And God says, no, it matters greatly what you do this Thursday. It makes all the difference what is happening in this moment of your mundane week because this is about me. This is about the gospel. Out of this, you and I see the gospel over and over and over again. The need is there. We'll get to the bondage in just a moment. and We see all the drama unfolding but there's intimacy, there's power, there's drama, and there's content. What's the content? This is there in verse number 4. It said Jesus gave himself up for our sins. Jesus gave himself to deliver us from this present evil age. According to the will of our, of our God and Father, to Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. It is this content that Jesus, the perfect, spotless, sinless Son of God, gave Himself up for me, for you, for us, sinful man. And then there's intimacy. Finally, we see this intimacy. Paul says, it's He who called you. Jesus is a personal Savior. And so when they deserted the gospel... When you go your separate way and when you wander around like sheep who's seeking a, a, a shepherd, you've lost your way, when that happens to you on Tuesday afternoon or on Saturday evening, you're not deserting a thing. You're not deserting a cause like Christianity. You're not deserting a religion. No, you're deserting a person. It is intimate who you are turning your back on. And the folks at Galatia and the folks at River Bend need to understand. We need to understand. I need to understand that it's him that we're rejecting. 
when I say, you know what, I got it better. I, I know what I need to do, so you just go deal with somebody else. We got it today. This call, this freedom, this gospel is personal. And when they deserted the gospel life, and when you and I desert the gospel life, we desert the one who gave himself to free us from this evil age. It is an intimate calling, this one of freedom. But not only do we see that freedom was shown even from the beginning, bondage is seen almost as soon. Bondage and slavery is seen almost as soon as that of this freedom. I'm astonished that you would so quickly desert him who called you in the grace of Christ and that you're turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you. There are some who want to distort the gospel of Christ, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we've already preached, that person is to be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say it again, if anyone is preaching, if anybody is proclaiming a different gospel contrary to the one that you have already received, let him be accursed. For am now seeking the for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Look back at verse number nine. Pull nine back up. You see, in verse number nine, might have just skipped over it. It's very easy to skip over that first phrase. As we have said. Before. When did he say it before? When he was face to face with them? When he was talking with them? Before he wrote this book? As we have said before. You've heard the gospel. You've heard, Riverbend, that Jesus Christ left heaven some 2,000 years ago, and came and was born as a baby, lived some 30-plus years, lived a sinless life. If you've come to church, you have heard those words, that Jesus was born a baby, he lived a perfect life, he died on the cross, buried for three days, and after those three days rose from the dead, returned back to heaven and is waiting his father's voice to say, son, go get my children, and he will come back. You've heard that. That's the gospel. On average today, in America, it is stated that it takes 15 times for somebody to hear that before they accept Christ. Did they hear it the first time? Yes, but no. Did they hear it the third time when they had a 
you know, a little scowl on their face or maybe they had a terrible day and somebody heard, somebody talked to them about the gospel and maybe that was you and you're like, there is no way in the world that fill in the blank, that person is going to ever get saved. Did they hear it the twelfth time? Fifteen times. The gospel is spoken. And as it is spoken, we see that this man, he's already told him before, verse number 9, I have already said this to you before and now I'm going to say it to you again. I'm going to talk to you about the gospel one more time. Over and over and over and over again. Why do we need to continue to hear the gospel? Because you and I continue to desert it. You and I continue to walk away from him who gave his all for you. You and I, Monday morning, Thursday afternoon, Friday at 4.22, and any other time of the week, we walk away from him. And in the intro, there were a number of things that came across those chains. A number of things that draw our focus and our attention that we see over and over again as a part of our lives that bind us. That he says, you know what, you're not bound anymore, you're free. But when you turn back to fear, when you turn to materialism, when you turn to the drugs, when you turn to success at the job site, when you turn to pornography, when you turn to things in your family or any other direction or any other item than the gospel, you desert him and you walk right back into it. And he says, why are you doing that? Why are you so, I'm astonished that it's so quickly that you're doing this. You, you didn't even give up a fight, Brian. I mean, last week, you didn't even give up a fight. You're just like, all right, I'm going to pack my bags. I'm just going to run that direction. I know that way. You know that way. Those in Galatia knew that way. And we're going to see what, what so quickly and so easily bound them. It was a thing called the law. It was a thing that others in this church would throw up in their face over and over and over again that not only did they have to be those who believed in Jesus, but they had to be good Jews even if they weren't Jewish. And they had to hold all the rules and the regulations that the Jews did even if the Jews couldn't do it and he says I'm astonished at you that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and you're turning to a different gospel what's the different gospel the different gospel is just it is false there is no other gospel what does gospel mean gospel means good news there's no other good news Materialism doesn't bring good news. Drugs don't bring good news. Fear, anxiety don't bring good news. Rules and regulations don't bring good news. 
Only the gospel brings good news. So what are you turning to? Do you find yourself today turning so quickly to the things of the world? Just as those in Galatia found themselves. Third and final point this morning. You see, not only that freedom was from the beginning and bondage is seen almost as soon, but you see this third point. It's going to come up. I know I didn't number it. Next one. I didn't number it. There are no duplicates of the gospel. You can try. Those at Galatia, they tried. They tried. They said, hey, I'm going to put this rule in front of us, and that's what I'm going to live by. Hey, I'm going to seek after all these things that everybody else, all the the quote-unquote Joneses are going after, all those American dreams are going, I'm going to do that. Not going to happen. Folks, there's no duplicate for the gospel. The gospel brings freedom. The gospel breaks every chain. The gospel takes those bonds and that bondage and it breaks you free. There is no other gospel. And just to drive it home, Paul says, even if we, Paul, even if the other apostles, even if those who are called Even if an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. And I'll say it again, let that person be accursed. For I'm not seeking the approval of man, I'm seeking the approval of God. You can try. You can try. You can go after all the things that this world goes after and it's just going to leave you wanting. You're going to be empty at the end of it. Five minutes of chasing or 50 years of chasing, you're going to be wanting. Or you can find freedom in the gospel. You can run to the one who gave himself up for you to save you from this present evil age. An evil age that so vividly, so boldly, day after day after day, shows itself. There's freedom from it. There's freedom in the midst of it, and that freedom comes only through Jesus. Heavenly Father, I bow. Lord, this passage and this study shows us where we are. Lord, it shows us that um, we, like sheep, wander away from our shepherd. Father, we like the those believers in the region of Galatia, in Asia Minor, in Turkey, 
We're so quick to follow the things of this world and to seek after them instead of staying close to the one who called us. Father, I pray that you have uh, continued your work this morning. Lord, you've continued your work that you are calling us to yourself. Father, I pray that we have seen, we have seen freedom comes from you. Freedom comes through you. Freedom is found in you. Lord, there's power in that calling. And all the things that this world has to offer, God, they don't offer what you offer. So, Lord, draw us close to you. Father, speak. May it continue to work, your word. May it continue to work in our hearts and in our lives. Sir, the response this morning, ma'am, the response this morning is, have you heard from him? Have you heard from the one who called you? Sure, you've heard those words that Jesus came, that he died, that he rose from the dead, that he died for your sins, but have you heard that call? Do you know him? Does he know you?